Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. I'm your host for today, Karen. Today, I'm discussing the last few minutes of episode 51, all of episode 52, and the first couple of minutes of episode 53 of the story of Yanxi Palace, or Yanxi Gonglue. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter or else email us at karenandkathy at chasingdramas.com. This podcast episode consists of a drama episode recap, and then we'll move on to discuss the history portrayed in this episode. At the end of episode 51, our main character Wei Yingluo has been summoned to Yongshou Gong because the fifth prince, Yongqi, is sick. The emperor, empress, Chun Guifei, and his mother, Yufei, are all gathered around Yongqi's bedside. And the group, well, primarily Yufei and Chun Guifei, accuse Yingluo of having poisoned Yongqi, which is why he is currently so ill. Yingluo is at a little bit of a loss because on one hand, Yufei says all manner of nasty things about how she can't believe that Yingluo would harm her son, while on the other hand, Chun Guifei urges the emperor to severely punish Yingluo. And can I say, the background music here is so on point. It is very suspenseful and added a lot to the atmosphere because Yingluo, quite honestly, in the scene was rather speechless. She was backed into a corner. Fortunately, the emperor and empress are both rather hesitant to immediately punish Yingluo. I think it's pretty obvious that they don't think Yingluo was entirely involved here. At that moment, Yuan Chunwang was also able to run over with the imperial doctor Ye Tianshi. With some pointed questioning by Yingluo, Ye Tianshi suggests having the fifth prince throw up everything he ate today in order to better ease his symptoms and investigate what caused his illness. Once again, this is just another testimony to the fact that you need an imperial doctor as your BFF because they will save your butt in situations like these. Despite the pushback from Chun Guifei and Yufei, the emperor agrees, and Ye Tianshi comes forth later on and states that he found several pieces of undigested ginseng. This perplexes him because a child as young as the fifth prince does not need so much ginseng even if it were to cure a cough. By ingesting so much of this, it would actually cause him further illness. The fact that the fifth prince is currently unconscious is most likely due to overconsumption of this ginseng rather than being poisoned by anything Yingluo may or may not have given him, which is what Yufei currently accuses of Yingluo to have done. At this point, the imperial doctor tending to the fifth prince before Ye Tianshi arrived, a Liu Taiyi, spilled the beans that it was Yufei who insisted on giving her son ginseng to consume. This made Yufei's accusation unravel because now it is revealed that she was the one to harm her own son in order to wrongly accuse Yingluo. I will say it is also really important once again here to have a BFF that is an imperial doctor because they will come save your butt when you're being accused of poisoning a lot of other people. Yufei pleads for forgiveness that it was all her fault for not knowing Jinsei was wrong, but under questioning, 
And really, it wasn't actually that much questioning. She tells everyone that she was pressured by Chun Guifei to put on this little show. The ginseng was given by her as well, which is true, actually. We saw Chun Guifei give Yufei this ginseng in episode 49. Yufei reiterates multiple times that the mastermind behind today's events is none other than Chun Guifei. Chun Guifei is utterly distraught at having been exposed and vehemently denies these claims, but it is no use. The emperor orders that she be detained in her palace and the truth investigated. The same goes for Yufei. What I think is also important here is that the emperor wants to believe Ying Luo and not believe Chun Guifei. He wants to believe that Chun Guifei is the one who is behind today's plot. That's why he didn't give Chun Guifei really any opportunity to defend herself, whereas he gave plenty of opportunities to Ying Luo to defend herself. The investigation duties falls onto the Empress, who quickly discovers some disturbing revelations as she threatens Chun Guifei's headmaid Yu Hu for information. This maid is then brought in front of Ying Luo and the Emperor, who reveals all of the terrible deeds Chun Guifei has been involved in. It was Chun Guifei who orchestrated the fire and subsequent events that caused the seventh prince's death. It was she who planned Ying Luo's fall from the horse. And when that didn't work, it was she who devised the plan to use the fifth prince's sickness to bring Ying Luo down once and for all. Upon hearing these words and the corroboration by Ming Yu, the emperor is rightly furious. He immediately decrees that Chun Guifei will be demoted to Da Ying, or second-class female attendant, and will be banished to the cold palace. Ying Luo breaks a small smile as she hears that the late empress finally can receive justice against the person who harmed her. That night, two women have a fantastic conversation, or at least a highly entertaining one. Chun Guifei, now Su Daying, is confined to a lonely room in Lenggong or the Cold Palace. She is still thinking about Fu Hong. But instead of seeing Ying Luo visit her, it is the Empress that pays her a late night visit. In front of the Empress's sneers, Su Daying finally realizes that it was the Empress who manipulated her for so many years to both her and the late Empress's demise. It was the current empress that saw through her feelings for Fu Hong that suggested that she have a child to secure her foothold in the palace. And then it was the empress who told her that the late empress's child, the seventh prince, would be the next crown prince, thus creating more jealousy on Su Daying's part. It was the new empress all along who pushed her, Su Daying, to act and do all of the new empress's bidding. Su Daying recognized that the Empress's hands are entirely clean of everything, but it was in fact she who was behind all of these horrific events in the palace. I do absolutely love Charmaine She or the Empress's acting at this point. She has a soft smile on her face that does not reach her eyes as her deeds were exposed. But her smile fades as she finally lets loose her anger. She doesn't hold back in telling Su Daying that she did all of this because she thought the late Empress Fu Cha was too fake and hypocritical while she, Su Daying, kept pushing her, the new empress, between Empress Fu Cha and also the late consort Gao. 
It was those two, the late Empress Fu Cha and Su Daying, who pushed her, the new Empress, to be who she is today. She is just enacting revenge. And at long last, in front of the Empress, Su Daying also shares her true feeling. She hates Fu Hong and the late Empress. She did so much for them, but in the end, she got nothing back in return. She wanted them to pay for this, and that's why she killed the seventh prince. I personally think that's all really sad when I saw this, because she had nothing in the palace but her anger. If she just took a step back and realized that her unrequited feelings to Fu Hong were unrequited because of her maid, Yu Hu, then maybe she wouldn't be so mad. Honestly, I don't understand why Su Daing wasn't so mad at her head maid instead of she uh, was so mad at Fu Hong and the late Empress Fu Cha. Anyways, I just think that if Su Daing took a step back, she wouldn't have been so easily manipulated by the Empress and she would have had a much better life. With all of this, knowing that the Empress is here to kill her, Su Daing accepts her fate. Now, we did some digging for some behind-the-scenes uh, information on this scene. In the drama, we only see the Empress give the order to have Su Daing killed. However, there are a few seconds that were cut uh, where eunuchs were seen actually going up to strangle Chun Guifei or Su Daing. There are blooper videos of them filming the scene, so we know there was actually a script for it. Anyways, while Su Daing is getting strangled, she also curses the Empress that she will also meet an ugly end. We'll never know why exactly that scene was cut, but there you have it. The next day, the Emperor is notified that Su Daing is dead. The weapon, string from a kite, was used to strangle her. This immediately forces the Emperor to think that it was Ying Luo who killed Su Daing because Ying Luo was seen making kites in the past. News of this travels to Ying Luo, and Ming Yu is worried how this will look against Ying Luo, but you know what? She doesn't mind. There has been something that has been tickling her brain over the last day, given the events that happen. Why would Yu Fei's parting words to her son be to instruct him to turn to Ying Luo? That's when Ying Luo suddenly rushes out. She and Mingyu chase after Yufei, who is currently being escorted out of the palace. She has been ordered by the Empress Dowager to leave the palace to study Buddhism, which essentially means she has been banished from returning to the palace, but will remain alive. Ying Luo requests a quiet moment to speak with Yufei. She raises her suspicion that Yufei fell way too quickly. This plot against Chun Guifei to bring her down was way too simple. That is when Yufei reveals that she was only pretending to ally herself with the late Chun Guifei in order to bring her down. All of her actions against Ying Luo were entirely just an act. This was her way of repaying the kindness the late Empress and Ying Luo showed her in helping save her son's life when the fifth prince was born. Yufei then sacrificed her life in the palace to ensure that her son will be safe in the future. She recognizes that she's not strong enough to raise her son in the palace, or at least protect him from further harm, and therefore will give this important task to Ying Luo. With one last bow from Yufei, she leaves not to return to the palace. Ying Luo and Ming Yu tear up at seeing the bravery of this woman in protecting her son. 
All right, that is the drama episode recap. A lot happened today. Uh, So let's move on to some history. In these few episodes, we say goodbye to two concubines, Noble Consort Chun and Consort Yu. These two diverged on their paths quite spectacularly in these two episodes with being murdered by the Empress and one essentially being exiled. So what really happened, though, to their historical counterparts? Noble Consort Chun was known as Lady Su in the drama. Lady Su's name is Su Jinghao, but that's only for drama purposes. We will simply call her Lady Su She was born on June 13, 1713 in Suzhou to a Han family. She is, I would say, one of the rare women in Qianlong's palace who came directly from the commoner class. She is the daughter of a Mr. Su Zhao Nan. Funnily enough, we don't have much data on him. Historians speculate that he was either a wealthy merchant or a small-time scholar. Lady Su most likely entered into the fourth prince or Hongli's harem sometime in the late 1720s. She gave birth to the third prince, Yongzhang, in 1735. We do not see this prince at all in this drama. 1735 is also the same year that Emperor Qianlong ascended the throne after the death of his father. Lady Su was promoted to the rank of imperial concubine or pin at this time. She was gifted the title of Chun during this promotion as well. Lady Su was pretty heavily favored by the emperor during the early years of his reign. Compared to the other women in Qianlong's harem, she didn't have strong connections at court nor a powerful banner family, but she was able to nonetheless reach the status of consort in 1737. Let's compare. Empress Fu Cha came from a powerful Manchu family, Noble Consort Gao had a father and brother at court. Consort Xian, or our future empress, also came from the Huifanala clan. For Lady Su to reach her status was indeed a feat for someone with no connections. In 1739, her family was gifted the status of the Standard White Banner and received the treatment of a Han consort rather than just a common woman. She gave birth to the sixth prince, Yongrong, in 1743, and in 1745, she was officially promoted to noble consort Chun or Chun Guifei. This promotion actually was due to a mass promotion prompted by the death of the imperial noble consort Gao or Gao Guifei. We saw this in the drama. Gao Guifei was promoted to Huang Guifei, and here Lady Su was promoted from Chunfei to Chun Guifei. In 1745, Lady Su gave birth to a daughter, the emperor's fourth daughter. So now she had three children and was very well established in the imperial harem. In 1748, the empress Fu Cha died. And at that point, there were only two women that could feasibly become empress. It was either Lady Su or else Lady Nala. Lady Su seemed to have the upper hand because she had two sons and a daughter while Lady Nala didn't have any children. Unfortunately, one event turned the tides against her. During the funeral procession for the late Empress Fu Cha, her son, the third prince, Yongzhang, was roundly criticized by the emperor for not showing the apt amount of mourning for the late empress. The emperor was devastated by the loss of his late wife and lashed out at 
basically everyone who didn't show a great amount of sorrow during the funeral proceedings. The emperor went so far as to publicly declare that Yongzhang would never have the opportunity to ascend the throne, thus killing all of his future hopes. The emperor was also very angry at Lady Su for this development, and she subsequently lost her claim to the title of empress because he saw her as not raising her son well. As we see in the drama, that title of empress is given to Lady Nala. I feel like this was kind of an overreaction from the emperor because the boy was only 13 when the late Empress Fu Cha died. So if he didn't show that much emotion, I guess I understand. Also, it wasn't uh, she wasn't his birth mother, so they may not have had that many interactions together. It was just bad luck. This scene was actually shown in Rui's Love in the Palace, obviously not in this drama. This whole incident also dealt a pretty big blow to Lady Su and the rest of her children. She gradually lost favor in the subsequent years, and even though Lady Su held the title of noble consort, she was always playing second fiddle to the new empress, Nala. Even if she didn't receive the same treatment from the emperor, the emperor, though, did still respect her in her later years. She was gifted lavish presents for her 40th birthday, for example, and accompanied the emperor when he traveled south in 1757. For their children, to his credit, the emperor arranged marriages between the third prince and the fourth princess to members of the Fu Cha clan, thus giving them powerful relations. The princess married one of Fu Cha, Fu Hung's sons, and however, though, both of Lady Su's sons lost their rights or ability to lay claim to the throne. In 1759, Emperor Tianlong pushed the sixth prince, Yongrong, to inherit the line of Yunxi, the 21st son of Emperor Kangxi. This meant that he was no longer in Tianlong's line. It was after this announcement that Lady Su's health began to decline. Perhaps Tianlong also felt a little guilty for what he did? That is just my speculation. But he did then decide to promote Lady Su to Imperial Noble Consort, or Huang Guifei, in 1760. She was the second woman to rise to this title after, of course, Lady Gao. Lady Su was promoted to Imperial Noble Consort on the 24th day of the third month, but she wasn't able to enjoy this privilege for long. Less than a month later, Lady Su died on the 19th day of the fourth month at the age of 48. Her third son, Yongzhang, also died a few months later at the young age of 26. Now, according to health records, she had been on the decline for months, so it wasn't exactly a sudden death for her. Sadly, Lady Su was buried not in the same mausoleum as her husband, but in a different mausoleum. I believe it was because there was basically no more space left. The imperial one already had Empress Fu Cha and two other imperial noble consorts. The emperor, however, did order for this other mausoleum to be renovated for Lady Su's burial. There is one known painting of her that was sold at auction in 2015 for a whopping 137 million Hong Kong dollars, or around 170 million US dollars. It was painted probably after her death by the Italian missionary Giuseppe Castiglioni. All in all, for a woman with no background and of Han descent to rise to the rank of imperial noble consort before her death 
was extremely rare during the Qing Dynasty, and she might have been the only one. Obviously, the drama fictionalized a lot of her life. She was not killed by the hands of Empress Nala, and she didn't secretly love Fu Hong. I mean, at least we couldn't tell. Uh, but hey, that's what dramas are all about, right? I will say also that the actress Wang Yuanke had struggled for quite some time to secure a role uh, in the Chinese entertainment industry because she was getting on in years. I mean, she looks stunning in this drama, but she had to really fight for this role in Yanxi Gongyue. And I'm really glad she did because I think she did a fantastic job in this role and did leave an lasting impression of Su Jinghao or Chun Guifei. Next, let's talk about the other woman that we say goodbye to in this drama. This is, of course, Consort Yu or Yu Fei. We were actually not given a whole lot of information about uh, Consort Yu or Yu Fei in this drama. She came from the Mongolian Kuliyata clan, which is shortened to Hai. So we'll call her Lady Hai. Her clan comes from the Mongolian boarded blue banner and was also part of the Bao Yi class. So she came from a much lower station than Empress Fu Cha. She was born in uh, 1714 and probably entered into then Prince Hongli's harem in the late 1720s. When Qianlong ascended the throne, she was only promoted to the title of Changzai, or first-class female attendant. Compare her to Lady Su, who was immediately promoted to imperial concubine, two levels above Lady Hai, and you can see the difference between these two women. She was only promoted to noble lady in 1737. In 1741, she gave birth to the fifth prince, Yongqi, which is what we saw in the drama. It was only then that she was promoted to imperial concubine, Yu or Yupin. In 1745, she was promoted to consort Yu along with all the other women in the imperial harem. And honestly, that is where she stayed for the rest of her life. In 1748, consort Jia, who we talked about previously, was promoted to noble consort, so then Lady Hai as consort became the head of the remaining consorts, of which there were two others, consort Ling and consort Shu, or Ling Fei and Shu Fei. But oddly, by 1755, she was listed behind the two other ladies, with Ling Fei at the top of the list. Yufei basically lived out her life in the imperial harem and lived to the ripe old age of 79, far outliving her only son, Yongqi. Yongqi as a character has been made famous by the drama Huanzhu Gege or Pearl Princess. Everyone knows who he is. He was an intelligent young man, bright and studious. He could speak Manchurian fluently, mastered all of the gentlemanly arts, and was an upright guy. He was heavily favored by Emperor Qianlong and was a serious contender for the throne. Unfortunately, he contracted what seemed like a bone infection and died at the young age of 25. Huge spoiler alert. Lady Hai essentially lived out her days in the palace after the death of her son for another whopping 26 years. We can see that the emperor didn't really favor her because her position did not change at all during those years. It was only after her death did he grant her a posthumous title of Noble Consort Yu or Yu Guifei. So again, in this drama, they did take quite a lot of liberties around 
this character's life because she should have been around and alive in the palace for many, many years, but is now currently uh, banished, aka not important and pretty much deemed dead to the drama. And that is it for today's podcast episode. Thank you all so much for listening. A friendly reminder that if you are looking for sites to watch Chinese dramas and you are in the U.S., please head on over to our sponsor, Jubao TV. That is J-U-B-A-O TV. It is a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch, and they have just launched on Plex, so you can stream interesting content on that platform as well. Once again, all of this is free. Thanks again so much for listening, and we will catch you all in the next podcast episode. Thank you.